This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Thursday, July 8th, 2021. On this day in 1972, Palestinian author and revolutionary Ghassan Kanafani was assassinated by the National Israeli Intelligence Agency, Mossad. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of these crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of murder that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Today, we're covering the assassination of Ghassan Kanafani. Let's go back to July 8, 1972, to Kanafani's apartment in Beirut. Family was important to 36-year-old Ghassan Kanafani. He inherited his love of his homeland from his mother and father. Kanafani saw literature and ideas as the battlefield on which he would fight for Palestinian liberation. He believed the struggles of his people were universal, a cause that displaced and oppressed people across the globe would connect with. The morning of the 8th, Kanafani was with his sister, Faiza, and her 17-year-old daughter, Lamise. Kanafani planned to take the teen shopping that morning. After the sun rose, Kanafani and Lamise loaded into his Austin 1100, but they never made it out of the lot. The ignition of the car was rigged to a grenade. It exploded the second Kanafani turned the key. This blast then triggered three kilograms of plastic explosives hidden behind the vehicle's front bumper. The flames overwhelmed Kanafani and his niece, killing them almost instantly. Right away, it was clear this tragedy was no accident. Kanafani was important to the Palestinian liberation efforts as a leader and an artist. While his family wrestled with the shock and horror of the loss, Kanafani's allies looked for the culprits. They knew Israel was behind the killing and wouldn't rest until they had hard evidence. Lebanese authorities started poking around at the scene, looking for anything that could point to those responsible. Desperate to prevent panic or retaliation, they kept their investigation secret. But Palestinians were not willing to let it happen behind closed doors. Within a couple of days, Yasser Arafat, leader of the Palestinian political organization Fatah, released a statement. He claimed they knew Israel was responsible for the explosion and demanded justice. According to Arafat, a revolutionary or terrorist, depending on your perspective, a piece of paper had been recovered from the scene of the bombing. It bore the Israeli candelabrum and was allegedly accompanied by a note that read, with the compliments of the Israeli embassy in Copenhagen. 
Coming up, we explore Ghassan Kanafani's life and writings. The CIA. They're the first line of defense for the United States, analyzing intelligence to thwart any possible threats and keep us safe. Some of their involvements are made public, and others aren't. Hi, it's Carter from Parcast, and in honor of America's birthday, we're uncovering the cases you were never supposed to know about in the new series, Conspiracy Theories CIA Edition. From international assassination plots and mind control experiments to catastrophic cover-ups and secret societies fit for film, sift through the agency's most questioned and controversial affairs. Each week, Conspiracy Theories CIA Edition exposes the covert operations intended to protect us from conflicts, but end up creating conspiracies. Where does the truth lie? Where do the lies end? And how much do we really want to know? Follow the new Spotify original from Parcast, Conspiracy Theories CIA Edition. Listen every Thursday, free and only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. On July 8, 1972, Palestinian author and freedom fighter Ghassan Kanafani and his niece were killed by a car bomb. The writer's death sent a shockwave throughout Palestine and the Palestinian diaspora. After decades of activism, his life and voice had become vitally important to his people. Kanafani was born in 1936 in Acre, a coastal city in the north of the region. At the time, Palestine was occupied by the British. When Kanafani was 12 years old, the state of Israel was established. What followed was the mass displacement of over 700,000 Palestinians. Among Palestinians, this event is known as the Nakba, meaning the catastrophe in Arabic. These early experiences had a profound effect on Kanafani, manifesting first as a deep cynicism. He believed there was no real way forward for his people. They were doomed to suffer. His family eventually settled with numerous other refugees in Damascus, Syria. There, he finished his education and started teaching and studying at the university. Kanafani never stopped working for his cause. His involvement with Arab nationalists led to his expulsion from the college, further cementing his pessimism. After being forced out of university, he became interested in Marxism. He came to believe that collective action and solidarity were the only hopes of survival for the Palestinian people. By 1960, Kanafani had settled in Beirut and had started writing. He always considered himself a writer first and foremost. In his own words, he, quote, "...became politically committed because I am a novelist, not the opposite." 
While working as a journalist, Canafani wrote and published his novella, Men in the Sun, one of his most popular works. In the book, his pessimism was on full display. A group of Palestinian refugees tragically die while trying to sneak across the Iraqi border because of the harsh conditions of their transport. In 1967, the Six Days War, a conflict in which Israel defeated a coalition of Arab militaries and seized land that was given to Palestinians and neighboring governments in the 1948 partition plan, his pessimism evaporated. He started to see hope for the future of Palestinians, but one that could only be achieved by collective action and struggle. He started working with the PFLP, or the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine, a revolutionary socialist organization. He also wrote the novella many consider to be his masterpiece. Returning to Haifa, published in 1970, tells the story of a Palestinian couple who were able to make their way home after being displaced in the Nakba. In the novel, Kanafani advocates for armed resistance by Palestinians. But in May of 1972, the state of the PFLP seemed to take a dark turn. At the Lod Airport near Tel Aviv, three members of the Japanese Red Army massacred 26 people. After investigating the attack, Israel discovered the Red Army, a communist terrorist group, had been brought in by the PFLP to commit the crime. That explanation remains controversial to this day. The PFLP leader who coordinated the attack was expelled from the group shortly after, and many believe he acted on his own, without guidance from the PFLP. But the damage had been done, especially when a few days later, a photo emerged of Kanafani meeting with one of the attackers. It's possible he was involved in helping to plan the attack, or the two could have simply been exchanging ideas. The government of Israel was concerned either way. Following the incident, Mossad, an Israeli intelligence organization, started planning to assassinate the author. Soon after Kanafani's death, Mossad took credit for the bomb. Though the PFLP did not take action specifically as revenge for the assassination, they continued a clash with Israel. Though the Israelis hoped to silence his voice, Kanafani's message endured. The author wrote 18 books in addition to his most famous novella. His novels, short story collections, and essays, not to mention his numerous newspaper articles, are still taught and studied around the world. The conflict between Israel and Palestine is too often reduced and reported only in terms of escalating violence. The Lode Airport Massacre and Kanafani's killing grab headlines. But the writer's message was always to focus on the human cost of the conflict and on the people displaced and suffering. In a famous obituary in the Lebanese newspaper The Daily Star, Kanafani was described as a commando who never fired a gun, whose weapon was a ballpoint pen and his arena the newspaper pages. He serves as enduring proof messages of hope can rise above any violence.
Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by John McDonough, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells, and fact-checking by Amber Hurley. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Hi, it's Carter from ParCast. Every Thursday on Conspiracy Theories CIA Edition, we're uncovering secrets hidden deep within the archives of the Central Intelligence Agency to bring you a special collection of episodes from shows across our network. Follow the new Spotify original from ParCast, Conspiracy Theories CIA Edition. Listen free only on Spotify. Spotify.